0: This, in this political season, uh, it's in full force. Don't uh, no worry, it's isn't a sermon about politics, although, probably, if I had the guts, I would preach one. Um, but, and, and I've often been told that, because I've often been told that uh, politics and religion don't mix, there's been this like silence code in churches about preaching anything about politics. But our country is greatly divided, isn't it? I mean, really divided in partisan politics, political philosophies, political solutions that we hold dear and think we'll work to solve our problems. And probably if uh, we took an honest canvas of this room, potentially it would be a nightmare, right? I mean, so we won't. <laughs> Even Christians, and today we sang beautiful songs of praise uh, that, that praise the Lord, that talked about our devotion to the Lord, our commitment to the Lord, uh, of having Jesus in our lives and celebrating all that means But even Christians can speak and act in ways toward each other, which dishonor that same Lord we just seem to commit ourselves to, can't we? If Christians can be so divided at times, think of the fractures that exist in our greater world. I mean, you don't have to think very far. You just turn the radio on, look at a newspaper, go on your phone and look at the news anywhere. Uh, We seem to be divided from the creation that God has given us. We sang a, a beautiful song about the beauty of that creation, yet it seems that we are bent on destroying it as fast as we can. It's always somebody else's fault, of course. I can do what I want, but everybody else needs to take in mind what we're doing to the creation. Nations fighting nations. I mean, it's everywhere. Everywhere. There's animosity between nations. Some of it breaks out into war but it's all over. Even we have problems with our neighbors, with people all over the world. There, there's a division between persons, people uh, all over, people who won't speak to each other, people who do speak to other in ways they shouldn't. We're divided from ourselves, fractured there. We talked about that a little bit last week. Stuff down deep inside of us that we wish wasn't there and we somehow want to, to get rid of. And, and uh, we say and do things that we know aren't right, but we do them. And certainly it all stems from a fracture in our relationship with God. Uh, that, that because of, of, of sin that came with the fall, as it speaks of in the book of Genesis, we become self-absorbed uncaring, greedy, violent. You could add all kinds of words to those four, I'm sure, and the list would go on long enough that we would take exhaust the, the whole service talking about the ways in which we have broken our relationships. But from the very beginning at, uh, at the time of the fall of the first sin, God began working to heal the brokenness. God began working to restore all of His creation to Himself so that one day, It won't look like the Garden of Eden that was that time, but God's gonna create a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. And He's gonna show all of us exactly what He had in mind because He's gonna restore His creation. But you might ask, how, if we are so broken, can we ever be used to heal and restore God's creation? How could God use me in my brokenness? I'm I'm the poster child (laughs) for broken relationships. How's God going to use me? to restore his creation. Well, Paul gives us a little bit of an idea in Ephesians. Uh, he gives us the answer, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Here Paul prays this. This is a prayer by Paul. For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power power Paul really divides this prayer, and there's four petitions. Petitions are, of course, what we ask of God. When we petition Him, we ask Him for something. And Paul has four petitions here. And he says, out of His glorious riches, which, by the way, are endless, right, when we think about it. May He strengthen you, and remember, he's using the plural here. Together with all God's people, he says. All of us together, with power the word power comes from the word that, uh, that, we, uh, that we use, dynamite. It's, it's the same word in the Greek that we have uh, taken dynamite from. The power through his spirit, not our own strength, not our own talents, not our own abilities. We would nullify everything that way, wouldn't we? But his. And he says, power in your inner being, something that is absorbed into us and becomes part of who we are. Not just dressing for success, putting on clothes that will bring attention, Uh, or acceptance, or praise. He's talking about going to the heart of each of us, and of all of us together. And he says, so that this filling has a purpose, and and it's given for a reason. It's it's not for our own use or merit, just so that we would uh, be more loving people, but so that Christ may dwell in us, he says, so that Christ, the power of God is given, not so we can just take it out and do what we want to with it, but the power of God is given so that Christ may dwell in us by faith. The word literally means to be at home or to make oneself at home. It's about a permanent dwelling or residence. On some popular TV shows now, people go house hunting, and most of them have a list of must-haves, right? This is what must be in the house that I'm going to buy. The things necessary for them to feel at home in their house. And I want you to think a moment about who Jesus is. Righteous, just, the truth, love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. God of gods, glorious and majestic. And I think most of us would agree, if we carefully think about who Jesus is and that he might dwell in our lives, uh, that the home we call our lives might need a little bit of fixing up uh, for him to dwell there, to fill it home for him to reside there. We need a little attention to our hearts might be needed. Thus, the prayer for strength to begin this process that it might continue and endure. You might think for a moment of the most important person to you that you could think of in your mind, whether it's uh, in your own family or among friends or somewhere else uh, on earth, whoever it might be, then imagine what you would need to do for that person to live with you in your home and feel at home. And Paul pray continues in his prayer. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, this is Christ's love, not our own. We sometimes use our own love as the measure of Christ and it can't be done. Uh, and, and I know that it's, it's hard for us to visualize something beyond our own love, but that's what it is. It's not measured by the love that we have or don't have. It's measured by his own love. We now have become at home with him and at home with the mission of his love. And so he says that you may have power again. Note, this is a prayer for his church as a community, not merely for individuals. But he says you have power to grasp and to know this love, uh, to go where few people dare to go. Now, to know this love, he he uses two words. One is knowledge, that's understanding it. But to know this love that he uses the second time when he says that he means uh, to experience it that it becomes your own. It's 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 a personal relational word that it becomes part of who you are. To come to terms with the vastness of his love for all people, even for those placing him on the cross, remember? That he prayed for them that the Father would forgive them for they didn't know what they were doing. Even to those we might have crossed off our list before we came to church this morning. We had a prayer list of people that we were praying for, but we have a, prayer, we have a non-prayer list too, don't we, of people we don't pray for. And if we do pray for them, it's certainly not the same prayer, we pray for those on the other list, right? Even for those who crossed off our lists, people unwelcome, people unknown, those who repulse us, offend us, hurt us, as Jesus told us to turn the other cheek, he meant what he said. Do as he did. Paul's text literally says, the excelling knowledge love, knowledge light years ahead of our finite minds. We can't, we can't bring this in, can we? That's true. I mean, it's really true. It's, it's hard for us to really bring this in, isn't it? I mean, it? We live in a world full of very difficult people, and it's very tough for us to, 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 to visualize and understand how this might work in real time, right? In real time. But part of this is, 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 to, is, to, is Paul prays for the, the power to know and understand and experience this to increase our capacity. You know, this water bottle uh, has enough water probably for me, uh, but not for everybody in this room. For everybody in this room, we probably have to have a 50-gallon 50, 50 tank to give everybody this much water. Far more capacity than this little bottle has. If we went outside this room into Clarksburg, you'd need a truck. you need multiple trucks just to give each person this amount of water, right? You have to continuously increase your capacity if you're going to give water to more people, right? And that's what he's talking about, is increasing our capacity to understand and experience and know the love of God. To be filled with the God of love, who loves everyone, and who now calls us to join him in reconciliation, reconciliation to him and to each other, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our associates, to people we work with, and even, yes, our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us, not P-R-E-Y as in attack, but P-R-A-Y as intercede, as Paul is doing here. He says that you might be filled not just a little bit, in 1971, Wilbur Reese wrote a small book based upon a poem that he had written. I think I shared it with you once before, but it's worth sharing again. It's called Three Dollars Worth of God. I don't know if anyone remember that. It goes like this. I would like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul. By the way, this was written in 1970s. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal, equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with migrants. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Immediately, you can recognize the fallacy of that, can't you? His tongue-in-cheek representation. Build not just a little, but to the measure of the fullness of God, Paul says. Just let that sink in for a moment. Not just a little, but to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, we tend to be minimalists about some things, and one of those are things that are good for us, right? Now, we understand they're good for us, and therefore we want some of it, but we don't want too much, right? We want just enough to keep us on even keel, right? We'll eat enough healthy food. We'll do enough healthy exercise. uh, We'll think enough healthy thoughts just to keep us on even keel. But after that, it's too much, right? And we tend to be that way with God, too. We come to church often because we want to get just enough of God to keep us on even keel, right? Just enough to make us feel a little bit better, right? Just enough to warm us up some. Just enough to make us feel a little less guilty or to take away a little of the pain or make life just a little bit more bearable, But that's not what Paul's talking about here, is it? It's not like just taking a few vitamins and moving on. He's talking about a transformation of our lives. And it's not compared to each other now, or even a really good person. We can think of some really good people who really honor the Lord, but it's more than that. It's compared to God himself that he's talking about, a glorious, righteous, wise, just, eternal God. As Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that word perfect really bothers us because all of us know we're not perfect as we think of perfection. But the word in the Greek can also mean complete, right. That something is designed for a certain job, and it's perfect for that job, even though we know it's not perfect, right? But it's perfect for the job we designed it for, and that's what this word means, that we are to be what God created us to be. Nothing more, but also nothing less. It's a tall order, but Paul praises as a real possibility, actually a probability for him, for those who follow him in faith and trust. For Paul, it's not a sweet, comfortable, reassuring greeting card verse, which gives us a smile, and then it's placed on the dresser for a couple of weeks, and then after that, it goes to the trash can. And we start all over again, right? In reflecting upon this text, I I, I came up with many questions. My my journal page just has this long list of questions about this particular text. But I won't bore you with all of them. In mercy, I'll only ask four. (laughs) Believe me, that's merciful at this point. Do I, we, really believe that love is the essential quality in life? Now, Paul seems to feel that right here, doesn't he? He says everything can be wrapped up in this prayer. But do we believe that? Do each of us sitting here, do all of us together as the people of God believe that? Do I, do we really believe that the love of Christ is so immense? Remember in his his great poem on love, Paul says, now faith, hope, and love exist, these three, but the greatest of these is love. That it is the central place, And that the love of Christ is is unfathomable, really and truly unfathomable. Three, do I or we really desire to be filled with Christ's love to the measure of the fullness of God? That's that's an important question. And and there's no escaping it. Now, you might say, I'm not going to answer that question and think you haven't answered it. But when you say, I'm not going to answer it, you have answered it, haven't you? Because as soon as you don't say yes, what are you actually saying? No. Right? And four, what might it mean to be filled in this way? What might it mean to us if Paul's prayer was answered for each one of us, and for all of us today as Clarksburg Baptist Church, or for all of us as the people of God worldwide, what would happen? One is that people would be reconciled to God. Andy was talking about inviting people to church, but we wouldn't stop with just inviting people to church, would we? We would be so concerned about their relationship with God that we want them to be reconciled to God. We would pray that we would be reconciled to God, and in that reconciliation, uh, God's creation would be returned to him. We ourselves, in being reconciled to God, would deal with the guilt and the shame and the fear that we have in life, every day, all of us, guilt, shame, fear, all kinds of things that circle around those things, that God would relieve us of those in his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. We would be reconciled to others around us because now we would love them as Christ loved them and we could even pray for enemies and turn the other cheek. We could look at people in the eye and care about them. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, really, honestly and truly. Communities, nations would settle their differences because the kingdom of God would come as we shared the Lord and as the Lord began working in people's lives reconciling him themselves to him and reconciled to him reconciled to each other people began to catch on and all of creation then would be redeemed that's God's goal when new heavens and earth come everything will be made new no longer destroyed by sin but we could begin seeing that process couldn't we it would be real We would be so changed that we'd, live, that we'd live love daily. It would be a part of our who we are. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that God loves everyone. That God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes him should not perish of have everlasting life. It also tells us that God wishes that not one would be lost, but all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can imagine for a moment, just for a moment, that I had a whole lot of pieces of string, okay, and I tied all those pieces of string to this stand and handed each one of you a piece. Now, you, uh, Andy had you get, take out a card and hold it during the prayer. Well, now just imagine in your mind holding a piece of that string right now. All, every, if this stand represented God and you're holding a string attached to this, then you are attached to God. But if everybody is holding a string attached to this, who else are you attached to? Everybody in the room, Right? Everyone in the room. And if the attachment to God is God's love, then the attachment to each other is that same love of God, is it not? It's amazing to think about, isn't it? I mean, truly. It changes everything. It changes everything. As a result, there would be healing of brokenness. Restoration would take place. We'd live in that love and joy and peace that God so often speaks of in his word and we we'll often search and scratch our heads looking for. But it's not just in theory. It's not just theology. It's not just a lesson that you take in and forget. It's not just a sermon that you endure until it's over. Charlie Brown once came to Dr. Lucy, you know, the little stand and she sits there and says, the doctor is in, five cents, and he comes in, sits down in the chair, lays his nickel on the counter. And, he say, and, and and she asked him, what's up? He says, well, I've got a problem. She says, yes. He says, he says I, I don't know what to do. And she says, you know, Charlie Brown, your problem is you don't love enough. Charlie Brown says, I love the world. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> God so loved the world, but you and I know that he loved people, right? And that's the same for us. It's not a slogan that we put on. It's people with faces, people with dreams, people with smashed dreams. It's people like you and I with faces on and blood going through our veins. We're called to love real people in real time. But it seems like there's always a catch, isn't there? Normally there's some kind of catch, in there? Some kind of a, a, a fine print at the bottom of the page, right? <laughs> well, today I'd like to illustrate that. I brought a bag with some things in it. I'd like to give everybody in the congregation a gift, okay? All right, these are things that mean something to me. Here is at least twice-worked puzzle, all right? I-, I really love puzzles, okay? Uh, here's a book I love to read. And uh, this, is, uh, this was made in Thailand, Uh, people who are followers of Jesus Christ and missionaries from American Baptist Churches have gone to and helped. This is one of the industries that they have to to raise money uh, to make a living, and so um, a a gift from Thailand, all right? Uh, I'm sorry, folks, the bag's empty. I was going to give everybody a gift, but that's it, okay? You know what? You can't give away what you don't have, can you? If the bag is empty, there's nothing to give. We need to think about that as we talk about love and as we genuinely wish to love others we need to be filled with God's love so we can share it with others. One way we do that is our connection to each other. Paul knows when he prays this prayer, it's for all of God's people. We need each other in this. That's an important part of it. Uh, Think about now, winter's coming on in January. If I invite all of you all to a great big bonfire, okay, huge bonfire. Let's say I find an acre field somewhere, I know a few of them, and I cut down about, well, I didn't cut down, but I found somehow 50 logs, huge logs, maybe my height or higher, put those all up in a fire. Maybe when I put them there to make a fire, I tie a piece of string to each of them, fasten to it tightly, and put a long, not string, but wire, let's say, on each of those, and with a little hook on the end. Okay, so then I put them together, build this great big fire, so big, I remember a fire like this one time, you can't get anywhere close to it, it's so hot. There's no point bringing your, um, your s'mores, that is, unless you really like to eat them in, in the burn unit. It's. <laughs> It's it's just too hot, okay? You can't get close to it. But what if all of you come to this bonfire and 50 of you take the end of one of those pieces of wire and you pull and you pull and you pull to the log connected to it comes out of the fire and lays on the ground by itself? What's going to happen? The fire's going to go out, isn't it? Each of those logs is going to burn a little bit and then the flame will go out. And then they'll have some smoldering coals. But by the next morning, every one of those logs is going to be the same temperature as the ground and the air around it in the January and winter, right? Right? No matter how hot it was before. God calls us into community for a reason. He calls into community just like was shared with us today about the, the life group on Wednesday nights and other life groups. He calls into community because in that community, our fire is kept hot by each other. That God Spirit works through each other to fan the flame of the fire in another, right? It's important. It's a place where lots of healing takes place because then we can share our hearts. We can open up and be real. And in that real, being real, we can receive real healing that comes from God's Spirit through others uh, who know His love. It's really important. Paul's letter is to the church community, not to individuals, to go it alone. You cannot go it alone. You'll be like one of those logs out there on the ground. You need God's people. I need God's people. We all need God's people. And then we help each other keep our love ablaze like Christ by worship, like we're doing today. Praise the Lord for everyone who's here to to worship him because God's spirit works through through the presence, through the singing, through the the sharing, the praying, the shaking of hands, the embracing of each other. We draw near to God in worship. Through fellowship, not talking about just eating. Eating's fun, and it's good, and it does something when you sh- break bread with someone across the table from you, doesn't it? It kind of breaks down certain barriers. That's good. But fellowship means really caring for each other. And that's, that's important in a church family, that we have a sense of caring for each other, just like we prayed for for people today, every one of us could be kept pretty busy praying for each other if we would do that. And then ministry together. In, in, in fellowship, we draw near to each other. ministry together, we draw near to the world around us. We go out and share that love with other people together, the people for whom Jesus has died, people that God loves and cares about what's happening in their lives, people whose homes have been burnt out, people who have uh, contracted uh, perhaps uh, uh, chronic or fatal diseases, uh, pe- pe- people who uh, have lost family members or, or whatever it might be, people who have lost their jobs and can't provide for their families, uh, people who have found themselves in such a situation that they have enormous guilt and shame and can't face anybody, and maybe you're ready to end it all. That we go out together and share God's love with others. And all of this is, is part of what we call discipleship, learning to worship, learning to care for each other, learning to minister together. In a moment, I think we're going to sing, at least it's on my, my schedule. hope it's on yours too. But <laughs> we're going to sing a song called Glorify Thy Name. And in that song, it says, Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. Glorify your name in all the earth. Now, I know we sang a song earlier, talking about the flowering meadows and flashing seas, and certainly God is in all of the beauty of the earth. And, and, and the universe all out like that. But you know that God has chosen to show His glory through each and every one of us too, and through all of us as His people. And so when we pray and we sing that God would glorify His name, we're asking that we go out and share His love in such a way that God is glorified through us, because that's how God has chosen to do it. Now, I don't care whether you agree with that or not. <laughs> when you sing glorify thy name, you're saying through me. Through us. That's how God has chosen to do it. We are instruments of his healing and restoration. So I'd like to challenge us to pray regularly and fervently for each other. And I know every one of us can say, but I need it more. I need to pray for myself. I understand that. But don't stop there. Maybe don't even start there. But pray for each other. Pray for for everybody that you know in this room, faces, or whether even if you don't know the faces you don't remember they are, even if you don't recognize the back of the head, just have God say, "God, you were there, you know who was there, now help me pray for them, okay? Pray for each other this prayer, of Paul. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, and begin praying that prayer for people you know, people with a face, people with a name, people with needs. Pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Pray that we may grasp how high and wide and long and, 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 and deep is the love of Christ. That we may know this love that surpasses knowledge and that we may be filled with his love, I added that, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Because that's what the prayer really is about. It's knowing the love of God in its fullness. Pray for all of us together as the people of God and by name for each other, as many as you can, as often as you can, and just see what God can and will do. Let us pray.